All right, Josh, are you going to be the one to do the uh, the acrobatic somersault catch, or am I, or are we going to make me do it? I can if you need me to. I got no problem doing that. You think you can pull it off? Oh, yeah. There's no doubt. <laughs> Welcome to Knowles 24-7s on the bench. This is Brendan Sinone, joined right now by Josh Newberg, and we'll have a special guest a little bit later on today, John Garcia, 24-7 sports regional analyst. Uh, he's going to have a lot of really cool uh, in-depth insight into FSU's recruiting class, recruiting strategy. Uh, he does break my heart uh, at one point uh, when he goes into his most overrated guy in the, the FSU class, but uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. But but yeah, we uh, we appreciate the support we've gotten this week from you guys. It's been really great, and it's been a different week of podcasts. And I don't know if we'll if we'll be putting them out quite this uh, rapidly uh, in the next week or so, but we'll still have fun uh, because you guys supported us. Uh, we have 500 five-star reviews and counting now on iTunes. Uh, Josh or myself or Chris are going to have to do a uh, a Malachi Weidman-esque attempt, at least, at a uh, what Malachi Weidman-esque uh, somersault catch. But but sounds like Josh has this for us. I'm sleepy athletic. I feel like I can do anything into a pool, as long as there's a pool there. Like I, I don't feel like I'll have any issue. Sleeper, sleeper sneaky gym rat athlete. Josh Newberg's going to jump into a pool for us. I think we should all try to attempt it in some form or fashion and put it in the mashup video. Um, but anyway, so Josh, before we get into the interview with with John Garcia, uh, I want to talk to you for a minute or two about your crystal balls uh, because you did something recently on on basically where you're uh, where you're training with a few crystal balls and some other ones that you want to uh, other ones that your guys that you guess you're looking at to see uh to see where you're going to put your balls in into the uh, what uh, category you put them in so what's going on right now with your cbs um yeah i with the season started i kind of wanted to catch everybody up i was doing some maintenance work on my crystal ball page and i figured hey might be a good time to kind of reset what's going on with everything so um I, I have a few guys that are uncommitted that I still have picks on. Um, I explain them. You know, I talk about Jalen Harrell. I talk about Arian Smith, Jaheim Bell, Johnny Newton, uh, Brian Robinson, and Savelle Smalls. Those are the main guys, the main FSU targets that I have crystal balled places. Um, and just kind of explain where I stand. You guys can find it on Knowles 24-7. I, I posted it on thir- on Wednesday. So I'm um, going to probably make some more picks now that the season's starting and we kind of know where everything sits. Um, but did anything interest you? I mean, a few of them were going to FSU, a few not. You know, it's it's pretty standard. Uh, I'll say what what interested me is uh, some of the guys who didn't have crystal ball anywhere yet. Um, I, I thought uh, like a guy like uh, Dijon, Dijon Edwards, the running back uh, from from South Georgia up in Colquitt, is a kid I have crystal ball to FSU. I think does does he have him crystal balled yes, to FSU? That could be happening soon. I mean, it's a rare let's, let's that's a rare for uh, for Chris Nee and well, no one cares about my crystal ball, but for Chris crystal ball to be in before yours because he's usually super duper conservative. Uh, so that was one I think that was interesting. Uh, you said that may be coming soon. Does that uh does that mean you're gonna do an FSU one or we're gonna have to wait to find out? Uh, no, I, I feel like he's he's pretty much a done deal to FSU. I just wanted to see a couple things in terms of how the board's shaping up and in, in, in that sort. But, um, yeah, I don't have one on him and Isaiah Walker. Um, Isaiah Walker is probably who I've noted is FSU's most important target. Um, I don't, ha- I'm not really convinced of any team right now. If I had to put in a crystal ball on Isaiah Walker, it'd be to Miami today, but I just feel like, there's so much more to play in his recruitment. He's not going to make a decision until after he takes his official visits. I'm yeah. certain FSU will get one of them. I'm certain Miami and UF will as well. So this thing's going to kind of be like this big three battle until the end. One of the classic recruitments um, that we see, you know, we see like one or two of these every year where the big three are battling for the same recruit. Oddly enough, we don't see a lot of these. Um, yeah. Isn't that amazing that like how, how very rarely even two like a head to head battle, but nonetheless, yeah. the big three, it, it's kind of weird. Uh, you would think that it would be a lot more carryover yeah. or crossover. But it, it makes sense that it happens at a position like offensive tackle um, where sure. it's a major need for all three programs and the, the talent pool is pretty shallow in the state of Florida for that position. So it makes a guy like Isaiah Walker, just a premium recruitment. So I don't have a crystal ball pick in on him. I'd like to uh, gain some clarity shortly and maybe put a pick in, but 
I'm just not sure yet. Uh, and I didn't realize when I was looking at your article, I didn't know that Jalen Harrell, the, the defensive end, was it from Tampa, edge rusher? Um, mm-hmm. I didn't realize that he was rated quite as high as he was and that he had that many uh, that many offers, too. That was something that I, I learned, I guess, is me not paying full attention to the full scope of uh, FSU's recruiting. But that was something that was interesting, Yeah, he's too. been on the radar since his, his sophomore year. I know. He picked I up, know. I want to say, you know, UF, FSU, Alabama um, – either shortly after his sophomore year, or right at the beginning of his junior year. So he's been on the radar for a while. Um, people weren't sure exactly what he was going to be. He was growing into kind of a tweener. Um, but now we feel pretty good, not just me, but, you know, we'll talk to John Garcia about it too, but we'll, you know, we feel good about him projecting as a defensive end. All right. And, uh, and I guess I'll ask you this question before we, uh, we transition. Um, if you had one guy, it could be anyone that you had the crystal ball in for now that you talked about or someone, else that you may be putting a crystal ball in for who do you think the next commitment for fsu is mm-hmm. is going to be well i think it could be edwards as we spoke about prior who <laughs> you better you better get that on. crystal ball in then or you know i know brian robinson says national signing day and i'm not sitting here doubting him when he said it i you know i think he he meant it but i just wouldn't be surprised if brian robinson decided to close it down and, and commit to fsu um Says he wants to take some official visits. FSU is the only one that he has scheduled. He claims, you know, UF is in there. I talked to some people behind the scenes. I don't think he's he's talking to UF nearly as much as he talks to FSU, Miami, or some others. Um, so he says, you know, really UF, Miami, and then there's Alabama, who right now seems to be on hold at taking wide receivers. So I I don't know if Brian Robinson wants to wait it out or if he's going to pull, pull the trigger early, but according to his words, it's signing day, but I, I tend to be a little bit more optimistic that that thing could end early. That ring, ring, ring still just, just, floating, just floating. Uh, I have a scouting report ready to go. I've had one ready to go for like three weeks anyways. All right. So with the, uh, with the John Garcia interview real quick, we're going to, what were you, what was interesting to you about about again, John? I thought he was super honest, man. Super honest about the evaluation process. Gives a glimpse into to what his his week to week you know uh, workflow looks like. But I enjoyed it. What did you like about that? Uh, I try to ask the fans some questions about rankings that you know that I feel like they can relate to. Having John on was an opportunity to you know go straight to the source and hey, why is he not ranked at this position or why is he here? So. He was honest. It was good. Got a little insight into the process. I think people will enjoy it. And the Berg bump. Yep. All right. Uh, We're going to have a quick commercial break, and then we're going to have John Garcia coming right back after that. Uh, Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, Please enjoy. And uh, and afterwards, if you want to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and if you want to drop a five-star review, I wouldn't mind. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. All right, we're back, and with us, as promised, John Garcia, recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports. As I mentioned, he he covers recruiting regionally, and obviously a lot of... Uh, a lot of the guys he he covers are in FSU's recruiting footprint. So, John, welcome to the show. Thanks for being on with us. Yeah, good to be on with you guys. Um, there, there's nobody doing it better than those 24-7, so always good to be on. Aw. Appreciate that. Aw. All right. Well, I don't lie either. I don't lie either, so, yeah. I, I grew up in this state, so I know. So, yeah. Well, well, let, let's uh, butter you up too. There's no one doing it better than you. I, I really enjoy your, your coverage, and uh, we'll, we'll do the uh, – 
the, the ball washing, if you will, with the, I'm going to have you pimp a story that you did on, on Jay and McCluster, uh, I guess in the past week or so. And that's an FSU linebacker commit from Largo. And you got a chance to talk to him. And it was a good read informative uh, for her guy who wasn't uh, ready to commit at one point when FSU was willing to take him. Uh, he now seems really, really committed. So let's, let's talk uh, about that story. First of all, to get, get things going. Well, yeah, you know, obviously, you know, the season's here. Uh, there was some preseason action last week, so got about two and a half quarters of, of Jay on starting his senior year, which is, for, for a guy like me, is, is crazy because I remember him as a freshman playing running back and, of course, asking the question that people still ask is he related to the other McCluster from, from this area. And sure enough, uh, that's his cousin, um, but, but he's progressed a ton since then. He's gotten bigger, and he's just he's so settled now. I think that's the biggest takeaway from – not only seeing him play, but talking to him. He is settled with everything. Clear, focused guy. He's the play caller for the defense. He's getting guys lined up. Uh, he's comfortable with his recruitment. It really is done. Um, and he's just he's just a mature kid. You feel like he's already at the collegiate level, and maybe that early notoriety has, has spurred him up to that to some degree. But on the field, a lot to like. Uh, I, I think we're going to switch his position projection. We've got him as an inside linebacker. I think that was kind of a maybe a knee-jerk reaction to a slower 40 in the offseason. But watching him play on Friday nights, uh, I don't have much concern for his speed or spatial ability. And that's where he's most comfortable, you know. And then I think that's where we get into all of these, you know, position projections and, and data and everything. And that's great. Uh, there's a lot to be said for that, obviously. But um, when a kid is already comfortable, um, at a position where the game is evolving and in a position that is increasingly important um, in college football, I think there's a lot to be said for something like that. So Jayon has a big advantage there being a safety and then converting to linebacker in the last couple of years. So uh, I'm definitely impressed with what he's doing uh, more impressed than I was this off season. Uh, I think he's, he's in the right trajectory uh, going forward. Six one two Oh six right now easily can carry another 15, 20 pounds. So I think um, he'll be an outside linebacker projection for us eventually at 24 seven sports. Um, but, but again, he did what he wanted on the field, more of a contained player underneath coverage type of guy. So not as sexy maybe as, as that guy who's coming downhill and hitting the running back head up. But uh, in terms of playing within his responsibility, getting guys lined up, the maturity and the comfort in space there's a lot of, of important boxes checked there from a cluster that that are important and necessary for really any defensive scheme. So be, before we get into the um, the whole generalities of FSU's recruiting class and and whatnot, John, I was interested. You you mentioned kind of you gave us a little glimpse there of of your evaluation process and, and kind of the value of of seeing someone in person versus maybe looking at at a, at a you know 40 yard dash time uh, for you. At this point in someone's career, like like for Jayon, but but in generally speaking, like so, someone's going into their senior year. I guess how big uh, is this season, like a senior year film? How much does that actually impact, like the the final ranking for for what we do in the network and for you personally, like your evaluation process to see someone in person? Like how much I guess are you still evaluating and sifting through guys like up to this point in in their careers? Because a lot of the evaluations already been done, I'd imagine. Right. Yeah, and that's and that's kind of. I guess if you're not a recruiting fan, that probably sounds dumb, doesn't it? I mean, it's like, yeah. what do you mean? that They still have a whole nother year of, of football to play. Um, so I, I do I do find it important to go back. Now, are you going to spend as much time on a guy you've, you've covered and seen for two, three years as you would, you know, in a merger like, you know, Malachi Wideman or somebody else? Um, maybe not. But it is important to look. I, I think it would be um, – you know, disrespectful not to circle back on guys, especially ones, you know, like McCluster, who, who maybe we, we flipped a position projection on and, and maybe it's time to flip it back with, with a fresh look. So I, I think it's always important to look at the senior year. That's really the culmination. And I think um, when you go to games and, and you guys all go to games, so you understand this, you just, you see so much more. Um, and when it's a position that, that deals with a lot of, of, of mental pressure uh, like, you know, quarterback, left tackle, a linebacker, or maybe a safety calling the defense, positions like that, um, you really get to see the, the full scope of, of what a kid can do, you know, beyond the measurables, beyond the, the tangible. So I think that for a kid like that, it, it does factor in 
to the evaluation process. Because now when kids like that are on the bubble, you tend to give them more of the benefit of the doubt because you say, okay, you know, the, the things we can't really measure in height, weight, speed, you know, you, you go to buy-in. Is he willing to buy-in? Is he willing to switch positions if that, if that comes around? Um, those are things that are really hard to gauge when you're covering 5,000 kids. But when you, you do have a rapport with a kid and you see him kind of grow through his senior year, you get a better sense of that. Um, and then you're more willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. So senior evaluations are important. They're becoming increasingly important for colleges as well. I mean, I came up in this industry, you know, covering Alabama and my gosh, dozens of kids have gotten dropped because they, they, they're committed to Bama and they're comfortable and, and it, it looks like it on Friday nights. Um, so you want a kid who mentally is always going to continue to push forward and, and try to dominate. Cause if you're a power five commitment, you should, you should flash dominance as a senior. Absolutely. So um, I think the senior evaluation is, is more important than, than we give it credit for uh, to this point. I, I think we do emphasize the early development a little bit too much, but everything is getting earlier in recruiting. So we have to adjust accordingly. All right, John, staying on that note, I want to talk about senior evaluations and one very important one. Um, Malachi Weidman, he's an intriguing prospect that just transferred to Venice, Florida, um, playing top competition now as they travel to IMG this weekend. Um, I got a question for you. At what point do you consider Malachi Weidman a five star? And hear me out. Um, (laughs) If he I know the sample size is small, but if he continues to put up numbers like he did last week, uh, and goes for, you know, five, six catches, a touchdown or two. And he did this against plant for 140, 160 yards, whatever he went for. Um, right. Can a guy like Malachi Weidman make that jump being six, four, having all the measurables, having the athleticism? Absolutely. I mean, look at, look at the top of the receiver class right now. Yes. There are guys who are way more polished than Malachi in terms of uh, construction flipping a defensive back's hips, gaining leverage, things like that. But there are also just some freaky athletes who are highly rated. I mean, um, I think the kid kept going to A&M, DeMond DeMoss um, from Texas. I mean, there's not a ton of difference between those guys in terms of uh, athletic profile uh, and what they do well. Uh, and we're watching him at the opening, DeMoss, he, he's not a very technical guy. In fact, he actually kind of got lost a little bit out there. But when, when you – watch him play and you watch him flash it's your jaw drops he's doing backflips and all this stuff so that translates for Weidman okay he's doing all these dunks and all that but what about football and then like you said my gosh um, I don't think he could have had a better start to his senior year and and my favorite play actually wasn't even a catch he 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 made a block and it wasn't a standard kind of hey we're gonna run counter run your guy off or just get in the way. Uh, it was an effort block and it had some physicality. There was, some, it, it, he brought some ass behind him. You that know? was, that was emphatic. Um, that was impressive. Yeah. And I just, I just, that's something that, you know, we wouldn't maybe have seen a year ago uh, from him. So you, you notice the raw athleticism that, that just cannot be taught, coached, whatever. Um, but now you see effort and you, you see more development. Uh, so I think, with those things, if that progression continues, there's no reason to say that it's impossible for him to be a five-star. I mean, that five-star is, is, is can't miss, right? It's a first-round talent. So we know he's got the measurables. Um, now can he flash enough to, to basically force our hand? And, I, and that, that's what I right. tell kids when they complain, complain about ranking. Make me do it. Just make me do it. Keep making plays enough to where you kind of have to do it. And, and I think with Weidman, if he's mossing a guy going up over the top playing vertical, you kind of expect it. But when he starts to do those other things, even without the polish, then you're kind of like, okay, you know, again, I think everything's a data point and there's more things to to buy in on. You have to, you have to follow it. Yeah. And I think with him, it's, it's more the consistency it's and and you can't knock his performance against plant where he goes off for two touchdowns and, um, six catches. But if he doesn't do that week in, week out, it's kind of, you know, he is what we think he is, which is, which is a developmental wide receiver with just a huge upside, which is why we have him ranked high now. Um, and I agree. I, I, I think he's, you know, I had somebody in his camp reach out to me recently and say, you know, 
what does Malachi Weidman need to do to be a five-star? And I said, just put up the best wide receiver tape in the country. He'll be a five-star. And I think, you know, to an extent he has that potential. We just want to see him do it every week. Right. You know, and I think actually, I think the basketball stuff perceptionally probably hurts him in that Mm -hmm. conversation because it's, it's so viral and it's so known the LeBron D Wade, all that stuff. Uh, I think you, you just, naturally say okay well yeah now he's just going to go catch some footballs because he can at this level so I do think there's some of that 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 is you know some of us in the industry will have to kind of fight to get over with him Uh, but again um, like you said consistency is absolutely important and just just progress show that hey a year of being serious um, at wide receiver despite transitioning schools and all that stuff is is showing it's easy to see we don't have to go and search for it. Um, and, did you and see his most viral? Build the case. Did you see his most recent viral video? The one where he's doing the flip, catching the ball in the. Oh yeah, exactly. Did it. Yeah, I mean, what is like? What is that? What, I, what do you call that? I had to watch it like ten times to like kind of grasp exactly what he did. <laughs> the movement. Do, I'm do you, still not sure. Do you, Do you know that we're supposed to? One of us. John is supposed to, well, not you, but one of either Josh, myself, or Chris Nee are supposed to reenact uh, that catch uh, sometime soon coming up. In one motion, or do you get two or three? <laughs> I can do it. I guarantee you I can do it into a pool. Well, guarantee it. Well, I don't think it's as much. I mean, so either one, one of two things. It's kind of like karaoke. You need to be really great at it or really awful, right? So either Josh needs to land it and, like, do the flip right off the bat, or, like, we need, like, a, like a miss and a belly flop, but... Uh, we, we promised our listeners that they got us like 500 uh, five-star reviews by the end of the week, we would do it. And so you promised. just the motion or the catch as well. Uh, it's oh, just, I don't know. The, the attempt, like no one has, I, I got, I hope they're not like hoping that we uh, actually stick the landing on it. Just the motion, the attempt to catch it, the, the attempt to somersault, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm here does for, he has, I mean, did he do gymnastics or something, Josh? Do you know? I mean, or is this just, it's just basketball. I don't know. I, you know, I went down and I watched um, him train for basketball and stuff. And he's just, he's just gifted. Um, it comes real natural to him the way that he, he lifts and gets off the ground. It's, it's like truly amazing that he can do it off either foot. I mean, he's just, he's a really truly gifted athlete and I'd love to, I'm excited for his senior year. I'm excited for this weekend. Are you going to be at the IMG game? I won't actually, uh, but I will definitely be checking out how it goes. Uh, that's that's an absolutely marquee matchup, and and two very different corners that he would go up against. Elias Ricks is kind of a guy who, if he looks in the mirror, look like looked like him, long, lean, athletic, and then you know Lejon Cazavos is is more physical, wants to beat you up at the line. So I think he's going to get a nice variety. And I mean, gosh, IMG has created so many bumps in in rankings you know based on their opponents guys who have had good games against img have gotten scholarship offers the next day so obviously malachi doesn't need that but uh, obviously you know playing playing well against an lsu db commit and ohio state db commitment uh is about as ideal as it gets uh, for his position and where he's at right now and his development so that's that's musty stuff no doubt i wish i wish we could have an iso cam on him and somebody could send that to me that'd be great (laughs) i know um all right. So we want to talk to you about FSU's uh, ranking right now. They're sitting inside the top 10 at number nine. Um, I think everybody's a little bit surprised about where they stand coming off of five and seven. Mm-hmm. Willie Taggart and his staff have done a great job of not only filling needs, but getting some truly elite players like a Jalen Knighton a guy. We just talked about Malachi Weidman also quarterback. Jeff Sims can't be ignored in this class. Um, what is the tone of the program from a, from a recruits perspective right now? What, what's FSU selling and how are they in the top 10? Yeah, I was, I was talking to McCluster about this a lot, uh, kind of on and off the record, uh, last week. And, and he put it really interestingly. He said that everybody knows FSU, everybody knows the child, everybody knows the program, the colors, all of that, which is true. And that's, I mean, that resonates in, in California and probably Canada at this point, mm-hmm. But uh, I think what, what he said is that we knew Willie Tiger could recruit, but once you started getting those guys you named, I think Jalen Knighton 
and Lawrence Tosili were huge needle movers just in the perception of that, hey, you know, these guys with all these offers and all of these options, SEC, ACC, everything, they're, they're still picking FSU despite five and seven, like you said. Um, so so it, it, at a minimum, it makes kids say, well, why? How, how are they doing this? So that's what Jayon said. He said that, you know, we talked a big game when, when Jeff Jim's committed and these other guys were, were kind of the foundation of the group. But now you're hitting your stride and you're getting, you know, elite targets um, and the, the top targets, I would say. I mean, at running back, I don't know if if there were, you know, many guys higher on the board than those two. So I think um, that was really important perceptionally from from kind of the outside world. Um, and then within the state, I mean, you're still dealing with a group of kids who who grew up either as, you know, Florida State, Florida, Miami fans. And, you know, whether they aspire to be, you know, a Bama or a Clemson type of target, um, that Florida State offer still means a ton. And there's still a group of kids out there who want to be a part of kind of the, the come up, the bounce back. Uh, and, and a lot of these schools use that in recruiting. You know, hey, don't, don't be another number at Alabama or Ohio State. Come, come help us turn this thing around and figure it out at Florida state. So when you couple kind of the hope that that second tier programs used to sell and the tradition and trajectory from a recruiting standpoint that Florida state is able to sell, I think it's a really nice combination and it enables um, really recruiting above where you should based on, you know, wins and losses and and tangible data. Um, And even then though, I feel like this class being in the top 10 is, is still not talked about. A lot. I mean, a lot of the teams behind FSU, I was just looking at this before we came on, are, are kind of, I guess, like sexier perceptionally in recruiting. Texas A&M is at 11, two spots behind FSU. We hear more about them from a national perspective. Florida, we probably still hear a little bit more about Penn State, Oregon, others in the top 15, but behind FSU that we, we tend to hear a lot about. But I think maybe because it's so Florida heavy, that it, it's kind of low key risen to, to this top 10 status. Cause I don't, I don't think until these two running backs came on board, we heard a lot of FSU from a national perspective. I go on shows in, in Atlanta and Tuscaloosa uh, in Texas. And, and I'm not asked about FSU as much until now, now, once they got those guys, now it's starting to come up. Hey, how about FSU, you know, having the best class in that state, what does that mean? So I think, Low key, it's 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 risen. Even though Florida State is such a national brand, who's won recruiting titles and obviously national titles, so I think it's it's kind of a unique combination for FSU. But but like anybody else, I mean, the season's here now, so it's about maintaining uh, and it's about showing you know what you've been selling throughout the last year or so with with some of these top targets. All right, John. So you touched on. Sorry, I had my microphone on mute. Uh, so, so you touched on Florida State's efforts being very Florida centric. And as we look at the numbers of all the commitments, 18 from FSU's class are in the state of Florida, two Georgia, one Louisiana. But I mean, that's an overwhelming majority of guys from in state. Uh, and generally speaking, what are your thoughts on that hyper focus on the state of Florida? And is that a is that a really smart strategy for for this program right now to kind of focus on on containing guys in your backyard? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's just it's it's necessary for for really anybody in the country, much less a, a, a team located within within state lines. And I think you know it furthers how impressive the class is in that Florida has become a free for all. Josh has written about it a ton. Um, a lot of people have written about just the amount of elite prospects who leave Florida, whether it's, you know, from South Florida, central, whatever. Um, so to have 18 out of what was it? 22 or 21 um, committed in the state is impressive, and, but you, you have to start there and you have to fill there. And I, I don't know how much, you know, Georgia and the Carolinas were, were involved in the last couple of classes, but it, it definitely feels like more of a, in-state influence this year. And I think, I think Jeff Sims was a big part of that, you know, and, and he's, he's not the highest rated guy. He's not the highest rated quarterback and, and he won't be, but um, after not signing one for a couple of cycles. And um, I think a lot of people, uh, who's counting, here reminded, who's counting? <laughs> you're reminded of it watching this, uh, this QB one with this, this kid from Louisiana wearing FSU gear, like every day, it's, it's kind of incredible. Um, 
But I think without that, um, it, it obviously hurt the class. You need that quarterback. Um, again, I'm asked about Alabama a ton because of the familiarity. You know, they don't got a quarterback in this class, and they're still obviously recruiting incredibly well, but there's 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 kind of not that ringleader guy. There's there's the group chats are still there, of course, because 2019 and kids don't verbally communicate anymore. But that quarterback is always the guy. Um, even before he was a big name, like Jalen Hurts, like rallied that class, and that was the number one class uh, before we ever knew how good he was going to be. And he wasn't even rated that high. He wasn't a guy everybody was rah rah about. Kind of like Jeff Sims to some degree. So. I think that central part is so important and him being a Florida guy in a metropolitan area like Jacksonville, I think is really important. And, and you guys have all talked to Jeff. He's, he's a charismatic kid. Uh, he's a little endearing. Uh, so you kind of understand why, you know, there, there, there have not only been commitments and progress, but I don't think there's been a whole lot of defections or, or kids who are committed, but taking 57 visits. There's literally uh, been there's no be decommitment so far. Really? Not in this one. Class? Not one. That, that I mean, crazy. I think part of that is the fact that, you know, these kids committed to a program that won five games. These kids saw what happened last year. The year before, the 2019 class where we saw Nick Cross and Charles Cross and, you know, all these guys decommit, they committed to Willie Taggart on, with the understanding that the program wasn't going to take a dive. It was just a little blip on the radar under Jimbo Fisher and Willie Taggart was going to take it right back up to the top. Well, that didn't really happen. You know, they went out and they only won five games. They missed the bowl game. And a lot of kids jumped off the, off the bus. Um, but the kids that are committed in 2020, they witnessed it. You know, they saw it They're, They saw it for what it was and they want to, they want to take Florida state to the next level themselves. So I think that's the biggest difference in you know, recruiting still recruiting. I don't think they're going to make it to signing day with zero D commits. But having said that, it's pretty impressive. And I think you're right. I think having a guy like Jeff Sims does a lot uh, to hold a class together like that. So to, to continue on a little bit more about Jeff Sims, because he is so important, um, who, who, what type of game does he have? Who would you compare him to either a former college player or somebody in the pros? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think Jeff has, has kind of a classic, a classic game. I love the fluidity in his release. I uh, first really started watching him closely at the end of last season and up very closely this off season. Uh, just, there's just a fluidity and a snap quickness to his release, which I think is becoming an increasingly important um, element of quarterback evaluations. And look, I'm not a QB guru. Uh, don't claim to be. But uh, getting the ball out quick, obviously, with, with these freaky edge rushers um, is, is important. It just is. And he's got, he does it on a tall frame, legit foot, six foot three, um, no slouch in there. And he doesn't lower that arm angle, which I, it really bothers me. I see these six four guys throwing from their hip like Phillip Rivers. Uh, it's really annoying. But he doesn't have that. Really classic motion, really quick as well. Um, so what, what would you want to see now is, is kind of the, the next step, the progression, the consistency um, after kind of an up and down year uh, last year at Sandalwood, uh, despite having some talent around him. So you want to see him put up more numbers. Um, I don't think he's incredibly athletic, but he can move enough, which is which is really all you need um, in, in a spread offense, which, which I know mm-hmm. um, FSU is trying to expand upon this year. But in terms of a comp, that's a good one. Um, I'm I'm somewhere I'm somewhere in between like Jacoby Brissett in terms of just I think he's a real pocket quarterback and he needs to fill out more. But I think he's more athletic than Jacoby was. Um, you know, coming out of, of what mm-hmm. Long Beach Dwyer sure. many years ago. I'm I'm somewhere in that bubble. Maybe a little more athletic Jacoby Brissett for Jeff Sims. Um, yeah, but he definitely needs to fill out though. But I, I like where he's at now, and, and he's got a chance to 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 wait. I think, I don't think he's going to be asked or maybe he will. I don't know, but I don't think he's going to have to play day one at FSU. And I think that's kind of the ideal situation. For, we'll see. For FSU um, and, yeah. and you guys, we, I should say, we, we do have him, you know, re- relatively highly ranked. We have him ranked as the number eight pro style quarterback in America. Um, we have him 308th overall. The composite has him at uh, 211 overall. So he's not, I mean, he's certainly not a guy we're sleeping on. Um, but there is room for improvement. What do you want to see Jeff Sims improve upon most his senior season? I think when 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 we do go to the numbers and the data that that 
have supported the quarterbacks who do well, production at that position is really important. So I think for him, I think he needs to rack up numbers. It'll sound cliche, um, and it'll be the argument that every dad emails us about, hey, my kid ran for 150 yards last night. He should be a five-star. But in this case, I do think there is some credence there. A lot of the guys who have gone in the first round, who have won Heisman, All-Americans, et cetera, that their senior year, the production was almost gaudy. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of where they're from. Um, so, so that means that, you know, they might not have had the greatest group of receivers, but they still found a way to put up points. So I think for Jeff, that's what you want to see. Obviously the, the, the when it, when you de- delve deeper into the data, you want to see a good TD to interception ratio, all of those things, but you want to see winning and you want to see production. And I think uh, a completion percentage is, is one of the most important statistics uh, for a quarterback at the high school level as a senior so you want to see that go up, um, and those are the those are the signs that okay things are coming together. He's able to read coverage a little bit better. He's processing a little bit faster because we know the arm strength is there. He can push the ball outside the numbers. I've seen him do it. He can push the ball down the field. Um, he can move as well. He can throw on the run. All those things. So now it's about the application and execution, and and those numbers for that position really do reflect. Um, progression and development. So for him, it, it's about the numbers, completion percentage, most importantly, um, but production overall uh, as well. So in, when Jeff first committed to Florida State, he was certainly lower ranked. I can't remember exactly what he was, but uh, that was something that was like a, a constant thread uh, on our message board. And I would even get text messages from some of my friends who are on the website, like about you know, why, is, why is Jeff so low? And he's had a good off season and has moved up uh, to where like no one now complains about it because I think he's he's about in the range that that most people are comfortable with uh, given his upside and everything that you you talked about John but uh, as you look at now the rest of Florida State's class I got a question for you uh, who's one guy that you personally like in your your own evaluation you think is a little underrated under the radar right now and one guy who you think is maybe being uh, being overhyped a little bit based on the industry composite. Yeah, I like that you threw the the composite cat. I I, I a little, did a little bit of a buffer. I didn't want you, I didn't want <laughs> yeah. you to take down any guys in network. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, a guy who I'm probably a little higher on than most is, is Jalen Harrell. Um, when it comes to FSU's defensive back evaluations, it's been about as good as anybody's. Uh, Demoria Tate had had the monster off season, and and look, he's he's been everything that anybody could have wanted there. But I think Harrell's pretty close to him, just in terms of athletic profile, consistency, and versatility. And I think that's, that's the key with Jalen. I think when you, when you are a big athletic DB with a good safety floor, and, and what I mean by that is your safety floor is coverage-based. It's not, oh, well, he's a big DB, so he's just going to have to you know, come play in the box. Your safety floor is, no, he can play a legit free safety with good range and ball skills. Um, when that's your floor, I'm always a little bit more um, keyed in on those type of guys. And, and that's what, what Jalen has shown uh, in the last year, year and a half that, that he's kind of uh, come onto the scene. Um, so I like that. So obviously that means his ceiling is at corner and it's hot. Uh, it's really hot. And I think he, he has a lot of the tools you want. Again, comparing him to Tate, you know, I would say that he's more comfortable at the line of scrimmage than DeMaurier, uh, who's kind of known as a guy who can play up, or uh, in off man. I think he's more comfortable there. I think he's a little bit more physical overall. And that probably comes with, you know, him playing DB much longer than, than DeMaurier has, who's playing what quarterback athlete wide receiver everywhere on his high school team. So I just think Jalen is, is right there. And we've seen it maybe already more than DeMaurier, but DeMaurier has combined the flashes with unbelievable testing numbers and he did it on the biggest stage in high school football in the offseason at the opening. So I think that's part of the reason his trajectory went up so fast and rightfully so. But I do think Jalen is much closer to him than the composite would suggest. And, and that's another one where I think the senior evaluation is going to be really important because he's at a new school, uh, Champagnat Catholic, where he's kind of the guy in the secondary. He's not at Miami Central where they have five D1 DBs. So how does he get involved at this point? Um, do they just shy away from him and he just kind of have a, has a boring senior year or does he play to that safety floor and then maybe get some action there at safety, which is what I would suspect. Um, I would do that with him if I was his high school coach. So he's a guy that I'm really looking forward to seeing as a senior. I think, uh, I think he is a top 100, top 150 type of guy when all is said and done. And then 
On the flip side, a guy who uh, is is probably a little too high at this point in the composite, of course. Um, that's a good question. I, I'm, I'm probably, I don't know, Morvin Joseph, we've seen a lot. No, that's recently. my boy. No. <laughs> he's, he's Do a guy it to who, him. No. I think I... I think his best trait is, is such an important trait, right? That edge quickness, the bend, that's what you absolutely have to have. I thought you were going to say kindness. <laughs> but but his, his, he's a compact player, even though he's not a heavy guy. So he lifted at 6'3", 213, might be a little bit generous there. I, I think he's more of a compact rusher. So when you start projecting that, I think he's going to be a heavier guy who's more of a, combination edge guy so if his first if his best quality is that first step quickness and bend right now when he adds the weight how does he maintain that and we haven't really seen a a ton of counter to his game at this point so can he develop that in time to be a a guy who plays early because that's what that's what i i hadn't seen yet from morvin now i I know he had a great first game and and he should and he again he's a good player He's, he's going you know to the acc but I want to see more of a complete game from him as a true defensive end. Um, Coverage samples would be good, things like that. We just don't have that. It's all about the speed rush for him. He needs to to kind of take the next couple of steps because you can't win like that in the ACC. He looks looks off the hoof, and I don't mean this like by saying he turned in the film on, but he looks like Vandarius Cowens. When I first saw Morvin Joseph at a combine, I was like, oh, what's what's Vandarius Cowens doing here? Like he kind of has the same build. Not saying they're the same player. I, I think, like you said, Joseph's more compact. He's going to be a, a, a defensive lineman on the next level. But just off the hoof, that's who he, he resembles me. He's a bit of a tweener. I can see where John's coming from. But you did break Brendan's heart. John, you hurt me in a I'm way sorry. that I didn't think was possible. <laughs> I was going to go so to him sorry. next, and, and I had a whole thing in my mind. Like, I want to talk about Morvin Joseph no, and well, how he's underrated. Look, hey, oh, give it to me. Let's no, go. you covered it. Counterpoint. <laughs> Counterpoint. No, well, you have, so, so you have the benefit of, like, seeing him in person. I've only watched, like, the huddle highlights. So that's obviously, one, his his best stuff, right, is is on the huddle. But uh, the, the frame and, and seeming maybe a little bit more sawed off, uh, a little shorter, yeah, I don't get to see that, but but what I do love is that that first step I think is awesome, uh, and then like you said, the bend. I think those are things that just you really can't teach. Uh, and then finally, the thing I really like is when he gets to the quarterback, man, he punishes him too. So he likes that that aspect of the game. So you have a guy in my mind who's physical and athletic. Uh, I think that's just a really good baseline uh, for an edge rusher. But yeah, he's not the biggest guy in the world. It sounds like so that that would certainly I guess cap off some of the upside. But I'm still heartbroken. I'm so sorry. I will work to repair it for the rest of the cycle. You know, you give Morvin a five star and we're good. We're good. Um, are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of, of dirty games, have you uh, have you ever heard of the Berg bump? I have, because when we bump, when we bump guys in Florida, he gets credit for <laughs> or, or good or bad. Right. You know, so, yeah, I mean, we. We've been higher. I mean, we, we have a big team in Florida, you know, um, obviously you guys up there, Chris knees up there. We've, we've got Ivan Stampini, a lot of people in the state of Florida. I'm in the but none of area. it matters, John, because when I want something <laughs> done, it gets done. We've talked about we, this before. I would, it's absurd. Isn't it that, that people think that, it's that, crazy. that Josh one, that we would let one person dictate all of this, but then two, that it's Josh. Well, <laughs> the, the funny jo- thing is too, like I've been working here nine years. Like did, did, did my status just elevate this year? Because I've never heard this theory before until <laughs> this year. So like, did something well, happen? I mean, what's the, fir- what's the first question you guys ask me is how the hell is FSU recruiting so well? Well, <laughs> people have to, they have to allocate that to somebody. Well, there has to be, Guys getting bumps because they're going to be Knowles, I guess. And then, and if that's going to happen, it's got to be mm-hmm. you. Nobody yep. else is that nobody be- else is, is is digging in enough like that. But no, I mean the the irony is that you know in our in our Florida rankings group chat, and I don't know if I should say this, this would dispel so much. Um, my, my guy Newberg is is not in that group chat, so I don't know um, <laughs> if the facts matter anymore in in today's mm-hmm. journalism. But um, yeah, exactly. This is actually the opposite of journalism. This comes from Twitter. Fake, yeah. What, fake. I mean, what, what a time right now. What a time to be alive. Fake Not news. Uh, but I, I am curious, John. So like, 
I think when people, well, some of the, some of the people with the tinfoil on their around their head see like oh, a guy commits to a school, say Florida State, and goes from on rank to all of a sudden you know ranked a thousand or something, they freak out. Uh, but I guess when that does happen and the guy's like not super on the radar, like you said, you're looking like 5,000 kids in a recruiting cycle. So some guys are going to slip through the cracks. I guess, how do you go about like when a guy is on, on ranked or not really on the radar to all of a sudden he commits to a power five school, uh, what's the evaluation process then in playing like a little bit of catch up, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, I don't know if that's fair or not, but, but what happens when a guy uh, goes from on ranked to, to committed? Yeah, I mean that's 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 what it is. Um, obviously, we we would love to have the final ranking set, you know, two years in advance, and you know when the kids commit, they commit, and and that's it. But that's just not how it works. Um, like you said, there's there's so many kids to do, especially in Florida. My gosh, in South Florida, there's a kid emerging every day. There's going to be a kid tomorrow who gets the Penn State offer who's unranked, who we've never heard of, and then when we actually go back and look, you say, well, damn, this kid's pretty good. And that's really all it is. Uh, it's not reacting to the commitment it's reacting to okay this kid is obviously impressing this group of people this coaching staff enough for them to take his commitment so it's our responsibility to to look into the kid and sometimes it doesn't lead to an immediate ranking but sometimes if you do have enough data points to go off of like in Lloyd Willis's case we had seen him two or three times and have had said the same thing super developmental Great frame, pretty athletic, bouncy kid coming over from basketball. Again, all tangible things that we've seen lead to success at that offensive tackle position for other guys. You can use all of that and say, okay, you have a baseline now here to dig into an evaluation. Now, he's a kid who's played, what, one year of football, so we're going to see him a, a bunch more this fall, and we'll correct it one way or the other by the time rankings lock in January. But, I mean, it's it's our responsibility to – to rank the players as we see fit, whether we find the kid as a freshman or he commits as a senior, we had never heard of him. It's still our job to put the rankings together. So no matter how that kid kind of comes to our inbox, we, we do have to do our due diligence there. So yeah, sometimes it's, you know, Hey, this kid committed and, and nobody's seen him. So what do we do? So we usually wait and then we see the kid and then, and then we go from there. So um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of sad that it, it's gotten to this point where it's like, oh, well, it's only because he's going to this school. Well, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, doesn't that matter? And not, not, not in terms of the school, which school he picks means he gets another star, which is, of course, the extreme theory that comes out of this. But, you know, yeah, I mean, if, if, if a Power 5 program is willing to take his verbal commitment, we should take a closer look in general, even if it's a kid who we had rated super high or super low. I mean, that should factor in. Because um, because everything is a data point. So if we know 25 schools will accept the kid commitment, and we know with another kid only one school will, and it's you know FIU, that should matter to some degree. It shouldn't give us the entire equation, and you just spit out a 79 you know rating. But it should be part of the the, the process. Um, it's so all it good, John. You guys you guys do a great job. Um, I think it just, you know, Gator fans are salty right now. They're not recruiting as well as they should be. They know it. And the fact of the matter is it doesn't take, I mean, I don't know, you know, they're frustrated because you ranked a kid, uh, a three-star tight end. How, how much film do you need to watch to rank a kid, the 1200th best player in the country? I mean, it's not like, you, you know, like how, how much film do we need to see to know that, okay, he's an average tight end, like boom. Right. And uh, yeah, especially at that position, how many, how many high school tight ends are ranked? Probably 40 in yeah, the country. Uh, I mean, it's not, it's not, yeah, it's yeah, not 20, 50. Yeah. Position. It's just, it's literally right, the most likely position on the field in high school. Right. It's measurables. It's athletic profile. Can, can he block some at this point? Cause we know he's going to gain weight and all that. Like, okay, there you go. Now you have a baseline. I mean, sometimes it, it really is. You don't have to outthink the room with, with some of these things. Absolutely. Uh, John, when you're when you're not having to defend yourself from the Berg bump and uh, angry Gator fans, uh, what I'm curious like with, when we're in season, so we're in the fall now. What does like the average work week look like for you? If you could paint a picture to, to our listeners, like what do you do? You know, Monday through Sunday, uh, are you traveling a lot? Are you watching a lot of film? I guess how how do you how do you go about your week during this time of year? Yeah. Um... Yeah, obviously it varies, but uh, yeah, you try to you try to get out and see what you need to uh, within reason, um, and then you're kind of reacting to the news. So we're kind of in that nice 
period where it's kind of all about football. The recruiting news isn't as consistent right now, other than kids who had set commitment dates, however, however long ago. So right now it really is kind of all about football. So my week is all leading up to Thursdays and Fridays, which games I'm going to attend. Um, and then if I need to go to a practice, um, kind of work that in as well. But in, in between, it's all about trying to catch up um, on, on guys like Carter Boatwright and Lloyd Willis. Uh, it's about getting as many data points as we can. Obviously, you're going to write your general stories, things like that. Um, but in the mornings, I'm, I'm generally playing catch up. If I have to get out to a practice, obviously do that in the afternoon. Um, and then you just kind of see, see where the day takes you. I, I'm not a guy who's writing a million stories a day. I'm, I'm, I'm more of a, a video guy. I'm, I'm looking at my tape from, from the whole off season, et cetera. So, um, it's, it's really not very glamorous, but, um, it's all football right now. So it's, it's kind of my favorite time, um, uh, because we don't have to do a whole lot of the, you know, this visit is sad and all that stuff, which is necessary, but it's, you know, obviously not my favorite part of, of our, of our business, but I do like, um, I do like the football stuff. Absolutely. Friday nights are for me is, is still the best thing in the world. You know how many people are envious of you right now thinking about like, that's your work because you get to just watch football. That's so awesome. That's uh, <laughs> it's a fun job. So, all right. Uh, is that everything we have, Josh? Anything else? We good? No, I'm good. Um, only request, John, is that you keep me out of that Florida evaluation group chat. I will walk my oh, ass man. out if you, you add me to you it. You would hate. You would hate it. You would hate it. <laughs> you would legit hate it. I mean, just everything's conf- conflictive of, of the other. I mean, it's just. No, I know. We really don't get a lot done in there. Yeah. yeah. I was proud. I, I was into evaluating and ranking for years, man. But I just, I just realized that it's you can never win. You're always behind. It's just, you know, I, I think you guys do a great job. Don't get me wrong. Um, you guys <laughs> put up with a lot more BS than I could. So my hat's off to you and I appreciate it. No, it's all good, man. Comes with the territory. We, uh, we appreciate you guys because you guys are really, we work for you guys, you know, and that's, um, Hell yeah. probably not, that's not a unanimous thought I'm sure. But, um, <laughs> when I, when I started doing this in 2011, that's, that's how I've always tried to approach it. So you guys help us as much as, uh, as you think we help you. Absolutely. I'll believe it when Morvin Joseph gets that fifth star. I'm changing my plans tomorrow and I will go to, to Lake Gibson right now. Perfect. Beautiful. All yeah. right, John. And for, for our listeners, uh, if you're not following John on, on Twitter, it's at John Garcia underscore Jr. Jr. So, uh, so John, thanks so much for your time and really appreciate it. This was fun. Absolutely, fellas. Thanks for having me. Appreciate y'all. See ya.